Amen. Well, hey, if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be in a series called The New Life. Um, and as we kick off into a new year, did any of you guys um, set uh, your New Year's resolution? Have, do any of you, by a show of hands? No? Oh, come on. No New Year's resolutions? You know Thanksgiving was a big meal, right? Like, that was one maybe. I know that was one for me. Like, I'm not going to eat that much again. Whatever your New Year's resolution is. Um, but do you have like a 2015 list? I know that there's some people that really wrote down a list and they wrote down a lot of things. In fact, online, there were, there were the top 10 were one, that people were going to work out and then they were going to be happy. They were going to lose weight, stop smoking and drinking. They were going to unplug more. I think that's really funny that they post that online. They were going to unplug more. They were going to be the best at, you know, fill in the blank of all these things. They were gonna. They were gonna love themselves better. They were gonna work harder, and they were gonna not screw it up. That's the version without the square word in it. But hey, as we start this new series, I know as we go into a new year, there's a lot of things that are new. As we go into this new season as a church, there's a lot of newness. And for those of us that that have made resolutions, whether recently or in the past. We have really set goals and we've made promises. We've set goals and we've made promises. And our hope in that, when we set those goals or those promises, is for new life. Our hope is that there's going to be a newness of our life. And often when we set those goals and those promises, we have a far off idea in our mind, right? Like, like for example, when you have an idea of you're going to buy a gym membership, I did this. I bought a gym membership... And I had the idea of what David Lawler was going to look like, you know, like six pack Arnold's little brother, you know, kind of thing. Like, and, and, and all it taught me was how to make payments on something I'm never going to use, you know? And so that's what I learned that year. Um, and so we make these promises and we set these goals, but then they don't really last. They're not things that, that we really utilize. They're not things that we commit to, but But what if, at the beginning of this series, right now, in this moment, what if we, as Christians, as believers, as a congregation, and as a church, what if we put that hope of what we put in everything else, what if we put that in Jesus? And so this morning, as we begin this new series, my prayer is that it will be a catalyst for change in our life. Change is uncomfortable. We all know that. Change is not fun. Even those who think change is fun, there's parts that aren't fun. But my hope is that through this series, the change will be, that, or this series will be a catalyst for that change and that, and that it will be able to be challenged, that we'll be able to encourage one another and we'll be able to grow together. And so as we open up in this section of scripture, Paul is going to speak on a subject that I have had a lot of learning in this last week. Um, Paul's going to talk about surrender. And for me, that's been a huge one. My life has been pretty crazy over the last seven days. And if you haven't been on Facebook, um, my, my son was born last Sunday at uh, 4.54 p.m. And that was a whirlwind. That was crazy. I mean, we, from Saturday, uh, early, early morning to Sunday at that point, uh, Shauna labored for about 30 hours. 
Um, it was a crazy experience. We were at the Mount Vernon Birthing Center, and then we transferred over to Island Hospital to then where she had a C-section, and we found out that um, Micah's uh, umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck twice, and um, yeah, yeah, and it was abnormally large, and so she was um, dilated at eight centimeters, but couldn't go farther than that, and, and it was just a, a scary, tiring process, and, and I just remember before we transferred, uh, laying beside her at the birthing center, um, quite honestly, church, just um, in tears, like just in pain for her, like um, not imagining what she was going through. And um, just praying over her and praying over our son. And then Tuesday, we got home with healthy baby, mom doing well. And then I got 100 in fever um, and started throwing up on Tuesday. And so I got sick. Um, and then trying to recover quickly because my sister's wedding was on Saturday and I was to play uh, a role in that and play some music. Um, and so I'm trying to swiftly recover. And then, and then also I got a call that um, my brother who who battles with addiction and, and, and uh, struggles with substance abuse uh, is in jail. And so this week has just been a whirlwind of an experience. And, and all I can come back to as I'm looking at this text, not knowing how this week was gonna look and praying of how we would go into the new year as a church, uh, there's no other understanding that, other than God had the plan all along. That he, he desires for us to walk through these seasons to glorify him. And so as we open in Romans chapter 12, I want to read Romans chapter 11, the last verse. I want to read that to you because when Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, he says that because there's something therefore. And so I want to read you that last verse that really just sets the tone for our series. And in verse 36, Paul says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then in verse 1 of chapter 12, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so throughout these short couple verses, what Paul makes it very clear is that we need to be surrendered in our whole life. And there's a couple things that he really highlights, a couple words in that. And the first is that being surrendered means letting go of control. Being surrendered means letting go of control. See, we try to control the wrong things. There are things that, that we have the opportunity to control, but I, I think the more we surrender to God, the more we understand that we're always on borrowed time and we're always on borrowed stuff. We are not our own. Our stuff is not our own. It's all God's. But we, we try to control the wrong things. So we try to control what, what someone else is saying. We don't like what they're saying. We're trying to mute them in what they're saying. But we don't always control our own tongue, our own gossip. We try to control people's authenticity. You know, that person that walks in and, and you say, how are you doing? And they just unravel their life story. And you're like, I didn't have time for this. I should have asked a different question. 
But we find it hard to live out and practicing biblical confession and repentance with one another. And so we try to control these interactions, but yet we're not practicing what's being asked of us in the word. And then we try to control and manage our own sin. We try to control and manage our own sin, but then we don't put any time to building into relationship with Jesus, who who is the only one who died to remove that sin we keep trying to manage. And so being surrendered means letting go of control. And we, we keep trying to control the wrong things, but we need to make the choice to give control to God, to give control to the Father. Because as, as believers, we give up our right to own our own lives. When we become followers of Christ, the word is clear. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so what that means when we choose to surrender is that our entire life, our entire being, our mind, our will, our emotions, our activity is fully given to God. Fully given to God. And Jesus very clearly said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. You've probably heard it simply said, loving God and loving people. And, and if, you, if we aren't loving God, if we aren't surrendering to God with every area of our lives, then we're missing out on what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because when we try to control our lives, whatever that may be, whatever you're trying to control, maybe you have an idea of something that you're trying to gain control of, you're trying to have put together, whenever we have that control in our lives, it's about the outcome that best fits us. When we try to have control in our lives, it's a, we're, we're looking for the outcome that best fits us. We're looking for the outcome of being happier. We're looking for the outcome of being more successful. We're looking for the outcome of maybe not feeling as guilty. But when we give control in our lives, every area of our lives to God, then it's about the outcome that best brings him glory. It's not about the outcome that best fits us. It's about the outcome that best brings him glory glory. And Paul uses a really specific word when he talks about giving up our bodies as an act of worship. He uses the word holy when he speaks of this surrender. That when we offer our entire lives as that act of worship, we're being set apart for God. Completely for him, set apart. And so having our lives set apart for God is seeking to bring him that glory in whatever we do, in every area of our lives. And so when we let go of that control, we're fixed on being creation that glorifies creator. That whatever our lives look like, we're fixed completely on being creation that glorifies creator when we choose to let go. And then being surrendered also means walking in transformation. 
that Paul tells the, the believers in verse two, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Because being conformed to the world, behaving like the world, trying to look like the world, trying to act like the world and fit in with the world completely contradicts Christ. Remember that Jesus says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Remember, that's actually something I modeled for you. That's something I set for you. There's an old saying that says, when the ship is in the ocean, everything's fine. But when the ocean gets in the ship, you're in trouble. That's a, that's a good saying. I know, you know, I, I grew up with uncles and, um, and even aunts that are, that are fisher men, fisher women. Um, <laughs> And that's, that's something that, you know, they always looked out for, especially my uncle who would go crabbing. He said, man, the, the water begins to get in, and, and man, if we're not careful, and if that, that begins to get in, then, then we're not okay. We're not okay. And I think sometimes when we allow ourselves to look like the world, we're not okay. Our lives aren't supposed to look like non-believers. Our lives are supposed to shock non-believers. And so I think often where we struggle is that we've traded reverence for relevance. I think that's a big thing. As I've been praying this week about this subject, I think that's what Paul was really urging the believers. Don't trade reverence of God for relevance. Don't trade that. And so as we see this in our churches, I mean, you've probably, if you're on Facebook you have probably seen numerous upon numerous articles of why people are leaving the church, why people don't like the church, why it's not, why it's not a man's kind of place to be. It's more a woman's place to be. Um, there's all of these articles and more. And honestly, I don't think it comes down to our personal preference. I think, some of, I think some of us would prefer a different song selection if we pull out a hymnal a little bit more or, you know, if, if maybe I uh, didn't move as much or, you know, things like that when, we, when I teach. Or, you know, there's all these different things that we have preferences in our personalities. We have different likes and dislikes, but I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is our level of conviction. I think it's our level of conviction and our response to the Holy Spirit when he tugs on our hearts and says, I think it's time to, to make a radical change. I think it's time to, to do some transforming. But our transformation, that change, can only come through Christ. And so I don't want you to walk out of here believing that it's going to be by a list of things you do. Although I believe that, that God invites us into the process. But our change only comes through Christ and the world is the, is the old life and Jesus is the new life. I mean, we see this constantly throughout scripture. Moses was the outcast. He was once a, a great prince and then he was kind of a sheep herder and rejected and he became a voice for Israel to set them free to worship God. David was just a little shepherd guy and he became king and a great worshiper, even in the midst of his struggle. He did some dumb things, and God still used him. We see Simon the fisherman. He became Peter, to whom Jesus said, Peter, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. 
To which then Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, hey, bro, don't die on me. And he still doesn't get it right. And so these men are not perfect, but God continually uses them because the transformation doesn't come through them. It comes through Jesus. And then, and then Jesus goes on and he takes Saul, the Christian killer. He takes Saul, the guy that's killing the Christians, and he makes him Paul, who we have as one of the greatest New Testament writers. And then Paul takes Timothy, and Jesus uses Timothy, just a kid, to lead a megachurch. Do you know that? That when, when we read about Timothy, Timothy is the pastor, the elder of the church in Ephesus. And that ain't some little church in a little town. That's a big church. And so Jesus is where we get our transformation. It doesn't come from you and I. It comes from Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2 Paul says this about the transformation. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so in the midst of our own brokenness, of our transformation, because our perfect God loves us so well, he sends Jesus to be the perfect mediator, to die on the cross for everything you did and everything you will do to cover it all so that we can come into the presence of God and begin to pursue relationship with him and be transformed. And so being surrendered means walking in that transformation that we receive from Jesus. And then finally, being surrendered means pursuing renewal. Being surrendered means pursuing renewal. And the word renewal means to return to, to take up again or come back to, to restart. And Paul tells us in that last verse that our renewal in Christ helps us with our testing. It helps us with our struggles, our temptations, and it helps us to seek and to know God's will, his plan. Because there are often times where we just get so distracted. And there are many things in our lives that can easily be distractions. That they can distract us from Jesus. Technology can be a big one, whether it's online, on social sites, whether it's our devices. I mean, the thing that is more convicting than anything is when we have a group of people over to our home and I look up from my phone and everyone else is on their phone. That's pretty convicting and realizing that that is a distraction from relationship. That's a distraction we even allow in our relationship with Jesus. There's so many times I've tricked myself into believing that that, that one devotional on my phone is gonna be the devotional that sets me free from all other distractions and I'll have that focus with Jesus and then comes a notification, a text message, an email, and I need to respond and I get distracted. And so technology can be that thing that distracts us. TV can be that thing that distracts us. God forbid I put this out there, but the Seahawks can allow us to be distracted. I know, I just hit a nerve. But now you're awake, so that's good. Other TV can be a distraction. Netflix and Hulu and all these things that you can watch TV on, you can binge watch 12 seasons. I remember 
when I was a youth pastor and I lived with a buddy and uh, everybody was in that TV show Lost and everyone said, David, you have to get on this season and, and there's six, right? And, um, and I was five seasons behind and so in, uh, in 10 days I watched uh, five seasons and slept very little. I was preparing to be a dad to not sleep. So. Um, but I watched way too much TV and that was a huge distraction Huge distraction. I think negative friends can be a big distraction from Jesus, from our relationship with Jesus. Music can be a distraction. And books, even, can be a distraction. Especially the the, the smutty ones and all that kind of stuff, whatever you're reading. But those things can be a distraction from Jesus. And J.I. Packer who's a wonderful theologian and pastor, he said, one of the most basic biblical insights is that whatever controls and shapes one's life, whatever controls and shapes your life is in effect the God that you worship. Whatever controls and shapes your life is in effect the God that you worship. And so here's what I want to do, church, over the next three weeks of this series, starting tomorrow. I'm going to be fasting tomorrow, and I want to invite you to do that. That as a church, as we start out this new year, that we would do that together. And to whatever degree that you're, you're able to, I'm going to fast from food and just drink water If that's not something you can do, you can drink some juice. But I'm just gonna abstain from solid food. And I'd love to invite you to do that, whether it be one meal, two meals, or all three meals. But tomorrow, I'm just gonna be spending the day in fasting and praying for you, praying that we would continue to surrender these things. And then two, over this entire series, from today and the next two weeks, I want to encourage you tomorrow as you spend that time in fasting to really pray and ask God, what else would you have me fast from the next two weeks over these three weeks total? To pray and ask the Holy Spirit, show me what I need to give up. And so for me, I'm going to be giving up social media. If you saw that online, I'm, I'm not going to be on Facebook or or uh, Twitter or Instagram, and um, Shauna will be posting photos of our baby boy. So if you're, if that's like your drug and seeing baby babies, you know you will see him, um, just not from me. Um, but I've I've completely deleted all the apps on my phone, on my computer. Um, I'm still going to use uh, computer through email, and so if you need to get a hold of me, you can via email or or uh, or my phone. But I'm going to take a break for the next three weeks of social media. And I'm also gonna take a break from from television. Um, I also deleted uh, our our Netflix, uh, and we're not gonna watch TV um, in our home for the next three weeks. Because I think there's, there's, there's times where we just get so consumed with stuff. We get so distracted. And I think when we begin to remove these things, it allows us to humbly come before God and just say, okay, I'm setting the stuff aside so you can be at the center. And so 
with the hopes of getting back on track, I just put in your program some encouragement to you, some things to just encourage you in. If you choose to do this, that you would fill your mind with scripture, that you would focus on positive, righteous, and holy things, that you would apply biblical truth to your heart, and that you would seek the presence of God. So I just want to invite you to fast with me tomorrow. Whatever that looks like, if you have questions on what that looks like, I'd be happy to answer them. And then really asking God, what what else would you have me fast from? What do I need to take a break from in order to just refocus, to take up again, to come back to your presence? And as you do that, and as we close this morning, I wanna ask, I want you to ask yourself this question that I've been asking myself in preparation for this. What do I need to give up to have the new life? What do I need to give up to have the new life that is in Christ? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this church. And God, I thank you for your people. Lord, I pray that as we embark upon a new season and and a new challenge, Lord, would you um, humble us And Lord, would you come near to us? Father, I pray that we would be completely surrendered to you. That we would let go of control. That we would walk in that transformation. And that we would constantly be renewed. And God, it is in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.